This year we're working on living by the book is our theme. Was this monitor working for you? No? Okay. We'll go without it. Hopefully. Uh, our theme is living by the book. Uh, we believe that the Bible is God's inspired word, and we're trying to see some different things in there that we need to live by. Uh, this series that we're engaged in is called Kingdom Living by the Book. And uh, it's basically a study of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, the king explains the kingdom to us. Uh, we started and we've looked every week at Matthew 6.33. Uh, Jesus said what we're supposed to be doing is seeking the kingdom, seeking kingdom righteousness. And he explains both of them in the Sermon on the Mount, what the kingdom is, what it's like, and what righteousness is like in the kingdom. And we've seen a number of things that... Religious folks in that day, the Pharisees, uh, had wrong. They thought righteousness was this or that or the other, and Jesus said, no, you've heard that, but that's not right. Here's what kingdom righteousness is. And he always came back to the same thing, that it's inside out. It's a matter of the heart is what kingdom righteousness boils down to. So we've looked at a number of different topics uh, today we're going to wrap up this series on uh, a t- sermon or lesson entitled, Which Road? Which Road? Now, this part of the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus got to this part, the experienced folks, this is where they would reach for the songbooks. Okay. <laughs> this is where you start cleaning up the kids' Cheerios and, and, and getting ready to go, because this is the invitation. This is kind of where Jesus wraps it up. He's told us all these things, and he says, now, you got a choice. Uh, So that's the way we're going to look at it, and we're going to consider which road uh, we're interested in. Which one would we choose? Uh, Our verses for today, two of them, Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14, already read for you, but let's go through them again. Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate. Uh, Wide is the gate, broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many enter through it, but small is the gate, narrow the road that leads to life. Only a few find it. The Bible is full of choices. The Bible's full of choices. And if you think about it, I mean, if you really sit down and meditate on that for a while, that's a stunning thing. An omnipotent God, a God who knows everything and has all power and created everything, gives us choice. Uh, That doesn't sound reasonable in some ways. Most of us think, or a lot of the world thinks, that what this is is a list of God saying, do this. Don't do this. And there's some do's and don'ts in there, but all of them are choices. All of them are choices. God says, now, here's the options. Here's what I think you ought to do, but you get to choose. He gave us a choice about everything. We call it free will. And it's a stunning thing that we get to choose. If you read the Bible that way, it sounds differently. 
there are some monumental choices through the Bible. I mean, big times when a, a special leader called God's people to make a choice. If we look at some of those, we start to understand we do have a choice. Moses in Deuteronomy 30 got all the people together of Israel. And he said, this day I call heaven and earth as a witness against you. Then I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now you choose life. My recommendation is you choose life. But I've told you there's two ways. There's a way that leads to life and a way that leads to death. I want you to choose life. Joshua, in Joshua chapter 24, after Moses had gone, and now when Joshua was getting ready to go from the people, it was time for him to die. He gave the people the choice between the Lord or other gods. He said, now fear the Lord. Serve him with all your faithfulness. Throw away the gods that your fathers worshipped beyond the river. Serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom we will serve. As for me and my household, we'll serve the Lord. But he gave them the choice. He said, you can choose either way. You can serve the Lord or you can serve other gods. Elijah, in the great contest on Mount Carmel in 1 Kings 18, he said to the people, How long will you waver between two opinions? They thought they could serve God, Jehovah, and Baal at the same time, and they couldn't make their mind up. And Elijah said, You've got to decide. How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow Him. But if Baal is God, follow Him. Monumental choices. And now Jesus, the king, has spent the chapters that we've read explaining the kingdom. And he gets to the end. And he says, enter the narrow gate. It leads to life. But you get to choose. There is a broad gate. A wide gate that has a broad road. And it leads to destruction. But you choose. Well, there's a wise choice and a foolish choice, he goes on to explain. But you choose. And when we understand that we have that choice, that's why we can ask a question like, which road? Well, let's see if we can understand our choice. We're going to go through the broad road and the narrow road and see if we can understand what the real choice is. Now, I... I've pictured up there a broad road that is completely packed. You're trying to count. There's 18 lanes on that road. Okay. Some of you were, weren't you? Now, that's an 18-lane highway. I forget where it is, but it's full. It is a broad road, and it is packed with people heading that direction. Now, and the other picture is a couple of lanes, a few cars on it. Now, I don't know if this is a good picture of what Jesus is talking about. I don't know if the ratio's 18 to 1 or, or what it is. He just says many and few. And I don't think it's exactly like this. I, actually, I believe there's some off-ramps on the narrow road. 
I think you can get off the narrow road anytime you want. Get over on the broad road. So, hey, this is not a, a perfect picture of what Jesus is talking about, but maybe it'll help us think about it. The best way to do it is just read the king's description and keep a list. I made a list for you. We're going to fill it in as we go. First of all, as we read through there, it says, For wide is the gate, and broad is the road, but small is the gate, and narrow the road. So the gates are different on these roads. There's a a broad road and a narrow road, and one has a wide gate, and one has a small gate. Yeah, that's all we need to know for now. Let's keep reading. Then he he says, For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So second point is one of them leads to destruction, and one of them leads to life. Keep reading. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So third, many choose one way. And few choose the other way. Once again, I don't know the ratio. I don't know how many, but it's many and few. Now, let me take just a little sidetrack here. Some folks in the religious world, I think, seem to glory in this part, this point. They glory in being the few. They think somehow that if they're very few, well, that means we're on the right road. (laughs) There's a problem in that. Some folks draw their circles of fellowship so tight, and they look around and say, well, there's only a few of us. This must be the right road. In fact, some of them look at a a big church, whatever their relationship or opinion of a big church is, and say, well, they must be doing something wrong. If they got that many... Because it's many and few. In fact, while I was looking for road pictures, I found this picture. And I thought, you know, some religious leaders would think this is a real good church model. You know, it's just me and thee on the road. This has got to be the right road. In fact, we got walls on both sides, so nobody can get in, nobody can get out. <laughs> now, I'm not sure where this is. I don't know why they need all that protection from a couple of sheep, but it must be a Scottish thing. We'll have to ask Robin if that's the way it is over there. Anyhow, just being few doesn't prove anything. What I'm trying to say, well, we won't mess with that anymore. All right, let's keep reading. Verse 15, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. So fourth, this is going to shock you, fourth, both roads have good-looking sheep. Now, you might have missed that. You might have started to fill in, well, there's false prophets on one road. Now, Jesus says, whatever road you're on, you watch out for false prophets. Because they look good. They come in sheep's clothing. Both roads have good-looking sheep on them. And that's all we can see. We look at, remember the whole context of the sermon. Jesus said, those Pharisees look good. 
They're doing all the right things, but they got bad hearts. Both roads have good-looking sheep on them, and that's why we can see the outside. It's easy to do acts of righteousness. But he warned us how to tell the difference. He gave us a clue. Okay, the difference is inside. A good-looking sheep on both roads, but the difference is inside. Now, I hope, if you've been here for most of these sermons, that that's not a surprise to anybody. The answer is always on the inside. The heart of the matter is always a matter of the heart. And Jesus gets down to this point and he says, that's it. You got to watch. They're good looking sheep. They look good, but on the inside, that's where the problem is. And some of the good looking sheep on the inside, they're wolves. They're not good for sheep. And not only are they wolves, but they have bad fruit. They bear bad fruit. Well, what's bad fruit? What's the whole sermon been about? If the fruit that they have is outward acts of righteousness coming from a bad heart, they got bad fruit. Good fruit is the kind of forgiveness, the kind of loving enemies, the kind of treasuring the right things, all the things he's been talking about. If the heart's right, here's what will come from it. Good fruit. And if you find bad fruit where somebody's just doing it for show, not forgiving, not loving, not treasuring the right things, there's a heart problem. Keep reading, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So fifth, here's another similarity. Both roads have folks on it who talk a good game. Both roads have people who say, oh, Lord. Lord, Lord, I love you, my Lord. You're in charge. That's what Lord means. Both roads have people that sound good. Well, if that's true, and it is true, how do we sort them out? Well, let's keep reading. He keeps giving us the answer here. Verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Sixth point, those on the narrow road, those on the only way to heaven, do his will. He goes on and explains it. He says, not only do they just sound good, it's not just that they say, Lord, Lord, they even do good things. They prophesy and cast out demons and do all kinds of miracles and all that. And he says, I'm going to say that I never knew you. Never knew you. You haven't done my will. Away from me, you evildoers. It's going to be a surprise. Well, that's what the people in the crowd were were getting from all this. They had been trained. That's righteousness. Jesus said, I know you've heard that's righteousness. That's not righteousness. Here's righteousness. They said, whoa, that's surprising. 
He's been explaining this through the whole thing, and now he says that's the way it is. That's the way it is on these two roads. There's a lot of people, many on the Broadway, that think that they're doing it right. He goes, I never knew you. Okay, now we filled the screen up. That's the king's description. Yeah. Do you have a little better picture of what the two roads are like, I hope? What do we do with the description? Now, let me remind you, this choice is what Jesus closes with. It's the last thing. Well, what do we got to do? We got to apply it. We've had to apply everything else he's talked about. And now he's come to the end of this sermon and he says, you got two choices. Get the narrow road, the broad road. Got different gates, got good looking sheep on both sides, got people that say, Lord, Lord, only one's got people to do my will. He's explained it all to us. So how do we apply it? Let me say this first. Usually what we do with it, usually what we do with this narrow and wide thing, and if you've been a member of the Church of Christ very long, I bet you've heard a sermon or two on the broad road and the narrow road. Now, usually what we do with it, and I'm not saying anything that I'm going to remind you of here is false, but I, I just want to be sure that we understand what the king's talking about. Usually what we do with it is say, here's what, what gets you in the gate, and what keeps you on the right road is all the things we do. Now, I don't have to fill in the blanks for you. You know what I'm talking about. Folks on the broad road are doing all these other things that they think are right, but we know these are right, so this is what the narrow road is. Now, if you go back and look at the description, you get a little confused because Jesus says there's good-looking sheep on both sides. Jesus says there's people that say, Lord, Lord, and do great things on both sides. It starts to get a little harder to, to draw that fine line that me and thee are the ones that are on the right narrow road. So let's see if we can figure this out. First, the gate. How do we enter? How do we enter? There is an entrance to this road, to, to both roads. So let's talk briefly about the gate. I'm not going to go through this in detail. But if you walked into this building for the first time and asked me, how do I become a Christian? Well, this is what I'd tell you. Now, now bear in mind, if you walk into lots of other churches in town, or you just ask people on the street, how do you get to be a Christian? Are you a Christian? How would you get to be one? You'll get all kinds of answers. In fact, you'll get a wide array of answers. The gate's wide. Some people tell you, well, you just got to believe. If you just have faith in Jesus, if you just read this little prayer, if you just say these words, if you accept Jesus into your heart, if you had a grandma who was godly, if you're trying to live by the Ten Commandments, now, you don't even have to know all the Ten Commandments. But if you say, I'm just living life trying to follow the Ten Commandments, I, I know I'm on the right road. 
You'll get all kinds of answers. Wide array of answers. But if you came in and asked me, how do I become a Christian? I'd take you to the Bible and show you these verses. Or even better, I'd tell you, you can do it yourself. You just go home and read the New Testament. You don't even have to read the New Testament. Go home and read Acts. You go through Acts, and every time you see a new Christian, you go, you back up a little bit and see what that person did. Yeah, you can do it yourself. And if you do that, if you read through the book of Acts, you'll find a lot of people that became Christians. And you backtrack and read them, and you'll find this pattern on all of them. You'll find that they all heard about Jesus and believed that he was the Son of God. You'll find that then they repented. You go to Acts chapter 2, you find this pattern perfectly. The people didn't know who Jesus was. In fact, they'd killed Jesus. But Peter preached a sermon to them. He said, no, you need to know that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is both the Messiah and Lord. He's the Son of the living God. And then they said, what do we do? Well, Peter told them. Now, if you back up a little bit, you'll find out that Peter, when he made that good confession about Jesus, Jesus said, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. I'm going to give you the information where you can tell people how to get in the right gate. And on that day of Pentecost, Peter opened the gate. The people asked him to. <laughs> they said, what do we do? How do we get into the kingdom? Now that we know he's Lord, he's king. Peter said, well, you repent. And you can read a bunch of other verses about that. You confess. Confess that Jesus is Lord. And then you be baptized. You be immersed for the remission of your sins and for the gift of the Holy Spirit. You read all those verses, you'll find those things. That's not the only verses. You'll find a whole lot more. You won't find any other way into the gate on the right road. And some people say, well, that sounds awful narrow. <laughs> yeah. That's what Jesus said. It's going to be kind of narrow. It's kind of a small gate. But that's the one that gets you on the right road. Now, let me make sure we understand this. All of these things that are on this list here are heart acts. They're things you do with your heart. That's what the kingdom's about. Now, because of that, you can say, I believe in Jesus. You can say, I repent of my past life. You can say, I confess that Jesus is Lord and not mean a word of it. You can do all that with your mouth and not with your heart. You can let someone baptize you. You can let somebody put you under water without even knowing what you're doing and without your heart being involved at all. You can do that. But if the heart is involved, God knows. God knows. That's how these things put you through the right gate. 
When God knows that your heart is involved in these things, and these things are acts of the heart, then at that time of baptism, at that instant, God does miraculous things. He removes the guilt of sin. It removes all the guilt of all the sins that you've ever uh, done and all the ones that you ever will do. He sends the Holy Spirit to live in you to break the power of sin. And he does a spiritual work of regeneration where he kills the old man of sin and births a new creature. And he adopts you as his son or his daughter. All that happens when you do these things with your heart involved. And at that point, you are in the kingdom. You've gone through the gate. And angels rejoice in heaven, and we rejoice on earth. And there's somebody else on the narrow road that's gone through the small gate. Now, if you feel that you've entered the kingdom, if you feel that you've become a Christian any other way, You've gone through the wrong gate. You're on the wrong road. What Jesus says next, people people who hear my words and do them are wise. Now that's the gate. But our series on kingdom living has been all about after that. I wanted you to know what the gate was. I want you to understand that in case you didn't. But the second thing is the road. How do we live? That's what we've been talking about for 10 weeks. We, most of us know what the gate is, and now everybody in here has heard it. How do we live on the road? And here's the dangerous part. Usually... What we want to do to say we're on the right road is we want to trust our entrance. We want to trust what we did at the gate. Okay, we're getting serious now, folks. Pay up attention. What we want to do to say that we're on the right road is, well, I did the right things at the entrance, and now I'm on cruise control. I did all that right, so I got to be on the right road. How do you know you're on the right road? How do you know you're on the road to life and not destruction? Well, I believed. I repented. I confessed. I was baptized. Now, I didn't ask you how you got in the gate. I asked you how you know you're still on the right road. Like I said earlier, I think there's off-ramps. I think you can get off the narrow road. People in the Bible got off the narrow road. Paul said, my good helper, Demas, he liked the Broadway better. He went back. He left. See, we just spent nine weeks listening to the king explain the kingdom. And now we're at the end, and he says, be sure you're on the right road. Be sure you're on the right road. He's been describing kingdom righteousness. 
Let me ask you this. If you want to trust in your entrance requirements, if you want to trust in that, tell me how many times in the Sermon on the Mount did Jesus mention baptism? He's describing life in the kingdom. He's not talking about entrance requirements. Yeah, we find those other places. Yes, they describe the gate. I know all that. I think you have to do them to be on the right road. But that's not what tells us we're still on the right road. Both roads have good-looking sheep. Both roads have people who say, Lord, Lord. How do you tell the difference? The ones on the right road do his will. They have good fruit. That's what we've been working all these weeks on. What is the fruit? It's not the entry requirements. It's people who do things, do religious things, give and fast and pray and all that to please God. Not to impress other people. It's people who forgive others because they understand how they've been forgiven. These things ought to be ringing bells. It's people who are totally honest because that's the way citizens of the kingdom are. It's people who treasure heavenly things, not earthly things. It's people with a completely different view from the world's of what morality is. It's people who yield to persecution, who love their enemies. It's people who have a kingdom heart, folks. That's what he's been telling us. You know you're on the right road if you've got a kingdom heart. We sang a song this morning we don't sing very often. I want to be a Christian in my heart. If that sounded just the least bit strange to you, If you thought, well, I don't know what that means. I'm a Christian because I heard and believed and repented and confessed and was baptized. Well, you should have been listening to the whole series. (laughs) I want to be a Christian in my heart. That's where the kingdom is. That's what the heart of the matter is. Now, next verse, after he tells about the wise man and foolish man and all that. It says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, what happened after the sermon? The crowds were amazed at his teaching. Because he taught as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. The teachers of the law went all through the doing things. They said, well, you got to do this, and well, maybe you do this, and maybe that. And all. Jesus just said, no, here, here's how the kingdom is. And it's about the heart. I hope you are amazed at his teaching. I hope I didn't get in the way too much. That's why we've looked at his verses and why we've talked about what he said for 10 weeks. If you've heard him, if you're amazed at his teaching, then it's time for a heart exam. It's time to think back through those first nine and, and look at the fruit in your life. Am I on the right road or not? I started today with some great choices, some monumental choices, life and death, the Lord or other gods, God or Baal. 
Well, that's where we are in this sermon. That's where we are in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus sits on the side of the mountain and we're at his feet. And he's looking into our eyes and asking us these questions. Have you entered the right gate? Are you on the right road? To paraphrase those monumental choices, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you. Which road? Which road? Choose for yourself this day. Which road? How long will you waver between two opinions? Which road? One leads to destruction. One leads to life. Which road? Make your choice this morning. Let's stand and sing.